back to the show. It's Wolf and Luke on a Friday afternoon talking some D-backs as uh, spring training is really getting going. Pitchers and catchers reported a couple days ago. Pleased to be joined right now on the Arizona Sports Line by D-backs reliever Ryan Thompson. Ryan, thank you so much for the time, man. How's it going? How's it going, guys? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, really appreciate it. i got to start with this, Ryan, right here. You were born in Turner, Oregon. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, were you raised there as well, Ryan? Yep. Okay, what was that like? I mean, I, listen, I go to a very small town. Every summer vacation, I go to a town of 1,100 people. They say the population of Turner is 2,944. Is that? I mean, what was that like growing up in that small town? I mean, that sounds like more people than I thought were there. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> we don't uh, we don't even have a stoplight in town, you know. Uh, wow. But uh, you know, growing growing up there, I knew no different. Um, you know, we're only about ten minutes south of Salem, which is the capital of Oregon. So okay, um, it was awesome because we were you know we were out of the mess of the city, but anything you needed, you know, it was just a ten minute drive. So was that like, was there any sort of like shock moment when you were, I mean, that that sounds like a, a, a far cry from pitching in the NLCS, like in Philadelphia or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Oregon is a unique animal in a lot of ways. You know, I feel like it doesn't have a, a distinct culture, like a lot of different places in America. And so going to college in North Carolina and just getting to experience the Southern culture and then getting drafted by the Astros and going to New York um, for a short season was another culture shock for me. It was just, it was very, very different every stage of the way. But uh, yeah, those big moments, you know, NLCS World Series, you know, you don't, you dream of it in, in that small town of Turner, Oregon, but for it to actually culminate, it's pretty special. You know, Ryan, every year, as you well know, every year that you compete professionally, of course, you, you learn something about yourself for the most part, and it's all about the experience that you go through season to season right here. Did you learn anything about yourself last season? That's a great question. Um, I think I did. Um, you know, last season I had a lot of ups and downs, um, as you guys probably know, um, you know, started the year with Tampa Bay. We had a 13-0 and start to the season. You know, it looked like, you know, the world was at our fingertips. And, uh, you know, we hit some roadblocks with that team, and I hit some personal roadblocks. Uh, ended up kind of shockingly getting optioned to AAA and kind of in AAA for a long time. And, you know, there was a lot of things that transpired in that time. And, you know, I felt like I, I learned how – you know, how much I hold firm to my values and my faith and, um, you know, how, how much I can persevere and, you know, how, you know, that there's been a couple times throughout my career where, you know, it, you're not really sure how it's going to go, you know, if your career's winding down or if it's just a bump in the road and mm-hmm. just kind of give, given the Lord, you know, listen, this is your story, not mine. You know, those are the moments where you really figure out what you're capable of. And when you stop trying to force it and just let the Lord tell his story through you, that's that's a pretty powerful Amen. thing to, to learn in your career. Yeah, no doubt about that right there. You become stronger because of last year, have you not? Absolutely. It's not, no question about it. We're talking to Ryan Thompson. Ryan, um, 
I know you, you just said there were ups and downs last year, but when you got to Arizona, there really weren't any downs. Like There was just a lot of games where Diamondbacks fans were like, how, I don't know how we got this guy, how he was available when he was. Um, and also the bullpen really became a strength right around when you and Paul Seawald got here. That wasn't the case all season last year for the D-backs. Did you guys have a sense going into the playoffs that you might ultimately be the strength of this team? That's a that's a hard question to answer because I felt like our team's very well rounded. Mm. So to say that we're the strength is a is a big statement. You know, I think I think our ability to do every single thing the baseball game requires well. You know, we did that. We can run the bases. We play good defense. We have good starting pitching. We have good bullpen. We can hit homers. You know, we we our our tagline of create the chaos or embrace the chaos. Like we we did all those things. We could play small ball. We can, you know, we can sit there and swing for the fence. You know, I felt like our team was really special because there was no game situation where you could count us out. You know, we were always scratching and clawing. We could be down six runs in the second inning and there's no fear. We're going to come back in that game. And whenever we had a lead, we were firm enough with our confident enough with our bullpen where we're going to maintain that lead. So I don't want to say that we, you know, anticipated that we'd be the strength, but we did have a lot of confidence that we were going to be a strength of that team. Um, I think our bullpen was really special because top to bottom, you know, we didn't really have a weak link in that bullpen. Um, I've said this time and time again, you know, myself, uh, Saul Frank, Ginkle, and Seawald got a lot of the credit last year. That was just because we were the ones giving the ball in those big situations. We had a lot of other guys that are capable of getting those ball, the ball in that exact same situation and also dominating. And I think you'll see that this year. I think you'll see the depth of our bullpen and how good of a unit we are. You know, there's not one, two, three, four guys. There's eight to ten of us that are that are studs and believe in each other and lift each other up. And, you know, we complement each other very well. So you've got a very unique delivery for the most part here. Where did you build that delivery? Give us a background on that, if you will, Ryan. So I'm a guy that doesn't really believe in just, just you do what you do, stay who you are, and see how it works. I'm a guy that's always trying to optimize. I think it's a blessing and a curse. Uh, I'm never satisfied. And so I'm always trying to figure out ways to get better in this game and um uh, you know, I started throwing sidearm when I was 16 years old. Um, I practiced it when I was a little kid, pretending to be Bung Hung Kim. When I was eight <laughs> years old in my backyard. Um, and I loved it, man. Like, my my whole mantra, I felt like, in my young life, and it still reigns true today, is I always wanted to be unique. You know, there's so many people in the world, and, you know, it's like your your DNA is unique to yourself. And, you know don't try to be like everyone else give the world something unique, give the the world something special. And so when it came to the game of baseball, I wanted to pitch or do things that no one else did. And so, you know, I saw some things in the big leagues back, back in the day, like Orlando Hernandez with the big, big leg kick. And I saw a bunch of sidearm guys and they were unique in themselves. So I wanted to kind of mesh those two. And so I had, I used to have a big leg kick, knee would go over my head and then I would drop sidearm. <laughs> and uh, and that was my thing, you know, and like when I was in college, there was like, you know, the social media was like hashtag fear the leg kick like that was me, you know, and uh, 
and it was you know it was awesome and i i loved it but i just kind of got to where i got to pro ball and i kind of saw my limitations of having a wind up and a stretch delivery that were so different um consistency is the name of the game at this level so um I kind of banged the leg kick, which hurt my feelings. And, uh, and, and I just, I just went back to just being, being sidearm. And, uh, and, you know, I did that for a while, got to triple a kind of got my teeth kicked in a little bit and made an adaptation there and changed some things and started throwing harder. And then I get to the big leagues and I probably altered some things two or three different times. And last year, I think I, really made some adjustments with just mechanically that led to all that success. Well, Ryan, it's definitely working now. Thank you so much for the time, man. Good luck this year. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Okay, Absolutely. man. Talk to you later, brother. That's uh, D-backs reliever Ryan Thompson right there joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. How many times did you hear last year during the playoffs, like, wait, this guy was just available? Like, Hazen just went and picked him up in late yeah. August? <laughs> like, yeah. And worked out. Freaky uh, Mike Hazen. <laughs> Wheeling and dealing. That's the Freaky Mike Hazen. <laughs> it just is. You don't just get the label Freaky Mike Hazen unless you make moves like that. Uh, all right. When we come back, back to football. If the Cardinals are serious about making the playoffs as soon as next year, just how good will Kyler Murray have to be in relation to the other starting quarterbacks around the NFL? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, everybody. It's Bernsey. The Arizona Cardinals have a lot of positions they need to address this offseason. Which ones should they address in free agency as opposed to the draft? The Burns and Gambo Show. Hear us from 2 to 6 on Arizona Sports. Wolf. I knew this was going to happen. I got distracted during the break because we were talking about NFL drafts before. During the break? Yes, during the <laughs> You get distracted other times well, as well. Though. Yes, but this specifically was during the break. That 2017 draft was ridiculous. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, Patrick Mahomes, ever heard of Buda Baker early in the second round? Buda. Uh, let's see. TJ Watt, like I mentioned at the end of the first rounds. Uh, Dalvin Cook was a second rounder that year. Joe Mixon, uh, James Conner, yeah. Cooper Cup, Alvin Kamara. Those guys were all in the third round of that draft. You know what's so awesome about that? You mentioned Buda Baker right there. Can I just say this quickly? A lot of times, look, I'll go around and I'll talk to some young crunks, right? Some young crunk football players. Okay. I'll go ahead and I'll talk to them, you know? And, you know, so much of the time they want me to tell them, how do I get better? How do I get better? And I use Buda Baker as an example. Uh, thank you, Buda, for how many times I've been able to get up in front of young men and actually say to them, listen, you want to get all the talent you can possibly get out of your body? You watch Buda Baker. Watch Buda Baker and how he plays. There are two things that he does. He plays fearlessly, and he does it every play. Fearlessly. Two things. You want to get all the talent that you can possibly squeeze out of your body, my young crunks? Play it like Buda Baker plays the game of football. Fearlessly and do it on every play. And you'll get all of God's goodness from your body. Fearless. Absolutely fearless. Uh, reckless and passionate. He's almost like the Aaron Donald of uh, defensive backs. <laughs> this guy strikes. Like a cobra. The way he runs through contact, I should say, is is very rare. It's not natural to run full speed through contact. Buddha, <laughs> his personality is like a sniper. He's fearless, and I haven't seen a player in this league 
play that hard, play the play to play like that guy plays. He is as fearless any player as I've been around. It's a natural trait that he has that most guys don't have. You know, even great players don't have that trait to run full speed through darkness. There it is, running into the darkness. I'm sorry. But it just, you got me distracted right there with a Buddha Baker. Vance Joseph, uh, pretty spot on. It's not natural to run full speed through <laughs> something. Yeah, that's true. Buddha Baker's not natural. Uh, also in that draft, George Kittle, Matt Milano in the oh, uh, fifth round. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> pretty good. Aaron Jones in the wow. sixth. Uh, no, I guess he was supplemental in the fifth. Or, uh, you know, the beat goes one. on, yeah. bruh. Uh, all right, so. The uh, NFL.com has a list out of their, they just ranked every quarterback that uh, that started. Man, 66 quarterbacks started games this year in the NFL. That's, that feels Stunning. high. That, that, that does. Oh, my goodness. That, that feels, wow. So they ranked them, and it's just based on the 2023 season. It's not like, hey, this is what this guy's going to be, or this is what this guy's been his whole career. Obviously, at that point, you would hope Patrick Mahomes would be number one. They actually have Mahomes third on here, although it does include the playoffs, too. So I'm not totally sure why Mahomes is third on here, because he did just win Super Bowl MVP again. But either way, um, they have Kyler Murray at 23, and... I think you and I kind of approached this the same way. We didn't look at this list and be like, oh, they have Kyler 23rd and he should be 22nd or he should be 15th. It's not that. It's more, at least for me, where does Kyler Murray have to be on a list like this next year for us to be talking about the Cardinals in the playoffs? Yeah. How much of this, what yeah. they're trying to do, hinges on Kyler right away? You know, I, I said the top 10 earlier. I said I think he you know, needs to be a top 10. But once again, who knows, based on earnings. I'm not saying there's no way in the world the Arizona Cardinals are, are going to make it into the playoffs if he's not top 10. That's not what I'm saying right now. But, you know, as I look at this right now, I think um, looking at Baker Mayfield at number 11, interesting, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield uh, at number 11 was kind of surprising right there to me. Yeah. And then I would say Jalen Hurts at number 14 as well. There were some other surprises, but I think for the most part, it's safe to say that 10 or 12, somewhere around there, 10 through 12, I think you, you'd have to play or have to guess that Kyler Murray would play that way in order for them to get into the postseason. Yeah, it's funny. You talk about surprises, just kind of looking at this list and for the most part, what is it? 13 of their top 14. Yeah. Yeah. Made the playoffs this oh, year. Okay. Okay. Their teams made the playoffs. The one that is the outliers for some reason, they had to get Kirk Cousins in there at 10. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like, we have to fit Kirk Cousins in. Sure, he only played eight games and his team didn't make the playoffs. He's got to be top 10 ahead of, yeah, Kyler, ahead of Baker Mayfield, yeah. ahead of. Ahead of Jalen Hurts, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, ahead of Joe Burrow, ahead of Justin Herbert. Yeah, Jordan Love at number 12 as well right there. So, you know, yeah, I'm going to say to answer your question, anywhere, you know, top 10, top 12, somewhere in there. But I can I just say, um, I, I hope Kyler Murray sees this. <laughs> number 23, who can you know, I, Kyler has had a rough couple of years. Can we all agree on that? He's had a rough couple of years right now. And based on what I've seen in how he has returned from that ACL and getting beat up largely in his entire rehab for the most part, yeah, um, I, I think he has shown more res resiliency than I think even Kyler Murray thought he might have. And I think he's only getting better because of it. And he is finally in an offense 
where he can evolve and grow. Yeah, and he seems to be embracing that, and Drew Petzing seems like a pretty good fit with him, and Jonathan Gannon as a head coach seems like a good fit with him, and just the simple fact that he has an OC and a head coach seems like a pretty good idea with him. So uh, we're kind of, it's interesting with him. You go back to the year when they were 10-2, and two, which feels like it was 100 years ago, but I guess, what was it? Was that 21? That was 2021. Um, there were moments that season where it's like, we don't really know what this guy's ceiling is. We really don't. And that's exciting. If you're if you're quarterback of your team, you don't totally know. It, like, they're already playing well, and you still don't know what the ceiling is. But then by the end of that season, it was like, okay, his ceiling might be wherever Aaron Donald is. Like, that's kind of what that felt like, right? Yeah. Um, and he's not the first guy in the league, I'm sure, to, right. to have that. Uh, and then, you know, the next year he's not great, and he gets hurt, and he's out for a long time, and he comes back this year. We're kind of back to the point where I'm not sure where his ceiling is, and I mean that in a good way. Not not that he's ever going to be Mahomes. I don't know. That, right. I don't know that Kyler Murray's ever going to be like a top three or four quarterback in the NFL. But I it wouldn't shock me if in any given season he was like five, six, seven, or whatever, and and led this team somewhere different, partially because of how he's come out of all this, but also partially because it's a different situation around him with yeah. the coaching. You know, I've said this many times, I'm sorry, but I, I am greatly encouraged. I really am, based on what I saw. And everybody knows why. I don't want to go back over it right now. I really don't. But the under-center game for Kyler, Kyler Murray is is the biggest part of his evolution that is going to pay dividends for him down the road. It really is. And that's got me jacked up and fired up and very encouraged. And you know what else has me encouraged is listening to Kyler Murray talk about his evolution. He's encouraged about where he is. He can see it himself, the value of being able to be in this balanced offense and do a lot more things with it. I think he experienced success. We saw him, especially in the last couple of games where they did something I never thought we'd ever see with Kyler Murray at center, where they put him under center for 30 or more snaps. What? Yeah. What? That's that's uh, just you know just gives the defense a different look. Uh, I think you know my ability to be able to move, run, uh, throw outside the pocket, inside the pocket. Um, you know why not? You know uh, be as versatile as possible, and um, you know like I said, give the, give the defense different looks. Uh, allow James to hit. You know, and the running backs to run downhill. Do it all. Right, Kyler? Yeah, that's Do even it all. more than you were asking for, 30 <laughs> times under center. Exactly. You know, but you got to be capable of doing it all to win games. And there are going to be some games you're going to do it more than others just because it fits, because you've got to be a team that is flexible and can be whatever you need to be to beat them. I wonder what everybody's expectation I just mean Cardinals fans. I don't mean nationally. What the expectation is going to be like for next season? It's too early. We got to see what they do in the drafts. We got to see, you know, free agency and everything. But last year, I thought Cardinals fans were were pretty forgiving in the sense of like, we know we're not making the playoffs this year, almost certainly. Uh, but in years past, they weren't. And and you know, you can't ask a fan base to be that way for more than like a year. You yeah, can't. Right. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how the fans approach next season because I think there is like legitimate optimism. It's not a hundred percent across the board, but. I, I think a lot of people are are optimistic at this point. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, look, when Mikel Bridges speaks, we're going to play the audio, especially when it's as interesting as this clip of audio. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Coach Vince Murata. Join us Tuesday morning as we kick off Newsmakers Week, including visits with Tori Lovello and Jerry Colangelo, starting at 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. We are in the NBA All-Star break. Mikel Bridges on the Roommates show. Okay. The 2021 NBA Finals came up. This is what Mikel had to say. And I remember going up 2-0. So we was good. I was like, oh, we about to win the chip. Because look, especially in the West. Especially then, like, the West all had tough teams. East, we were like, East really like whatever, you know? We go see Milwaukee. We're over here like, my it's light. It's the East. It's Milwaukee. I know they got Giannis, and obviously they got Hoopers, but I'm like, the West is tougher than East. We're like, mm-hmm. we good. Go up 2-0. We're like, exactly. This is what we've been talking about. Like, it's the East, bro. Like, we're about to win this. From the grand off four. Great. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. No, I, couldn't, I actually couldn't believe it. I can't believe it either. Yeah. Mikael, um, <laughs> can I talk to you? Uh, the, the good thing is he left names out of it, didn't he? He yeah. left names out of it right there. He, he didn't say specifically, did he? I don't know, based on uh, this is just coming down right now. I don't know if he actually said any names or identified anybody in this podcast right there. I but, doubt it. I doubt um, he did that. Yeah, I, of, of course. He's never going to violate the code like that, right? But that is very interesting or revealing in this case. Well, this is this is just where my mind went, and maybe I'm way off base. I don't remember ever watching the Suns in the in that series, and like with the thought of how oh, they're just taking the Bucks lightly. I mean, my my recollection of that series is they were up 2-0, and then as a city, we got our collective hearts ripped out by Giannis. Basically, I mean, Drew Holiday was was great defensively, and Chris Middleton was making a billion shots and. For a week and a half in the summer of 2021, Giannis learned how to hit free throws. And he's not like an amazing free throw shooter now. He just learned it for that week and a half, and the Bucks won. But where my mind goes, Wolf, is if that team was capable of taking somebody lightly up 2-0, is that what happened against Dallas the next year? <laughs> because every conversation about the Suns from like okay. a three-year stretch to me goes back to Dallas in the 2022 in May of 22. Yes. Um, Luke, I, I don't know how to answer that. I really don't. Did anybody ask Mikel that on the podcast? I, I know. But can I just say this right now? This is why I talk so much about this stuff. I talk about this all the time. The psychology of sport. The, the, the becoming complacent. Going out there and being on guard. That you never are going to relax. You're never going to become complacent. You're going to go out there and tap into the rage tree. And you're going to compete. This is, this is one of the reasons why I talk about this stuff all the time. And now, now look. I, I agree with your assessment. I, I, I don't recall going, man, that was a half-butt effort. I, right? I never I, felt I, that I don't way. Remember. But yet at the same time. That stuff lies within you. And yeah. it wasn't just Mikhail Bridges. When they went up 2-0, we all were like, 
<laughs> this is this is going to be great right here. You got to win one more game. What do you always say? So there were people there, out there, there saying there were, there were multiple I people. I hope they lose one in Milwaukee so they can win it here. Like, okay, so oh boy, you know, um, yeah, people can become complacent, and it certainly looked that way. But as a fan, that's okay. I mean, it's not, and we all said that at the time. Like, hey, hold on, what are you doing here? We've never had an NBA title in the city. But as a player, it's not. As a coach, it's not. And like I said, man, I mean, Mikel would obviously know a lot better than I would. But anybody driving like the type of guy who's going to make stuff up. No, 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 no way. No. So there's something to it. But anybody driving around that's a Suns fan, did you feel like that in 21? That was like, oh, yeah, the Suns, they took their foot off the gas. I, I, I guess maybe there's always a little bit of that if you have a 2-0 lead and then you lose the series. But it didn't, you didn't look that way. You didn't just lose the series. No, you lost, you lost four straight games. Just trying to pretend that that part didn't happen. I know. Um, but I just remember that series as Giannis, just one of the best players of all time, True. hitting his peak. And Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton making play after play. And, you know, other guys on Milwaukee made plays that we don't need to relive. I don't I mean, I never, I never watched and thought Devin Booker was taking plays off. I I, I don't know. I um, And he probably wasn't. But... That's an interesting thing to hear, and also just interesting that Mikel would even say it. Yeah, I know. Can we get somebody who would second that? Can we get somebody right there that would second that? No names, though. We don't want any names. I, I, you know what? I don't even... I don't even need to know about 2021. I need to know what happened in 2022. Like, Mikel, was there a follow-up question? Hey, does that explain what happened against Dallas in 2022? Because that year's team did look like they took their foot off the gas up yes. 2-0 against yes. the Dallas team that wasn't Supposed to be that good, and, and you know, ultimately, really wasn't that good. Uh, Matt Ishbia was on with Bickley and Murata this morning, and he was asked about the Kevin Durant trade. Now, basically, a year later, yeah. So, you know, first off, I don't, I don't even know if trading for Kevin Durant ever needs any justification. He's one of the best players ever played basketball. Um, obviously, we loved Mikhail and Cam, and you know, we gave up some, but it wasn't even a close decision. It's not close. It's never been close. Uh, Mikhail and Cam are great players, but that's Kevin Durant. Let's make sure we all understand. And I think you get the see him on a nightly basis just blows people's minds and so you know this guy's in his prime he's still you know he's MVP candidate right now um, and he's an amazing guy he sets the tone work ethic wise with the organization you know I get to practice and he's out there shooting in a full sweat before 30 45 minutes before. I mean this guy's a winner all, all around and it sets the tone with everybody else in a lot of ways and so uh, having Kevin Durant change the, the the structure of this team in such a positive way I was having a homegrown star and Devin Booker and just an all-around I think he's one of the best players in the NBA as he stands right now at 27. Um, it's, it's great to pair them together, but yeah. making the Kevin Durant trade, uh, you know, people talk about it. It wasn't even a discussion. It wasn't even close. It, it, not even a thought on it. Do it 100 times out of 100. Matty Ish sounds like a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, he does. Doesn't he? He, he does. You're right. He really he does. I mean, he just sounds like the type <laughs> of guy who's going to go to work. He's just going to work, man. He's just going to work, and he's and when he ends his, he's just going to go. He ends his sentences like, that was a minute-long clip. When Matt Ishbia <laughs> talks for a minute, I feel like by the end I've invested in something and I've bought property in, in a few states. And I wonder if, like, it, like, how great would it be at the end of that if he was like, and thanks, guys, for letting me talk for a minute. In that time, I made $470,000. <laughs> I mean, Matty. That is just going to roll, bruh. All right, uh, we come back. It has been a busy week around the world of sports. I also, I would argue it's been like a 17-day week. It's, this week is like the, it's been going for a while. Yeah. We'll get you caught up on everything with the work week wrap-up next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Everybody, Dan Bickley here, and it's the NBA All-Star Weekend full of fun and folly, but then it gets serious. We'll talk about the Suns and their second-half push starting 6 a.m. on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I just thought solar fire. All right, final segment of the show here. It is time for the work week wrap-up starting with Monday. Monday. Monday, Coyotes lost to the Flyers 5-3. Tuesday. Tuesday. On the Tuesday. Wolf Monday was kind of a light yeah. day. On the Tuesday. David uh, Charles Burns. Draymond Green. If we have time, we got to recap what just happened. Uh, Tuesday, Draymond Green called Nurk, Big Nurk. He called him a little guy. The little guy then goes, like I say, went into the media complaining. Like, I did something to him as if he didn't do the too small celebration. And then he starts to question my character. What a coward. Coward. Okay, and that, that wasn't say, even the biggest fight that broke out around a Suns game this once week. Once again, you know what a coward does? He cheap shots people. That's what a coward does. Just saying. Just remember that. That was the vibe coming out of the weekend about uh, from a team that played the Suns. Meanwhile, Thaddeus Young was uh, was signed by the Suns. And he is, uh, after he was bought out by the Toronto Raptors, here's K-Ray when he was on with us. I think it's great to, to get a guy like this because everything I know about Thaddeus Young uh, is that he is, he's always been an easy fit in any locker room. And as you guys know, that, that goes a long ways. Yeah, you know what, Thaddeus Young, once again, I think is going to be able to model a lot of the physicality and a lot of the things that the Phoenix Suns need to continue to grow in. Uh, Not all good news for the Suns, though, on Tuesday. Bradley Beal with a hamstring injury against the Kings. Here's Frank Vogel. Strain is hamstring. I'll call it a strain. Okay, hamstring strain. Uh, It'll be out tomorrow, but they don't think it's too serious. So hopefully with the break right right after tomorrow's game, um, he does miss too much more time. We'll see where he's at. They play again next Thursday. Frank just said, I'll call it a strain. (laughs) Somebody else calling it a pulled hamstring. I'm the coach. I'll I'll call it a strain. I love that. That's an optimist. (laughs) Optimism is a great quality for a coach. I would say he's a pretty optimistic guy, uh, based on the couple times we've talked to him on the show. Devin Booker, second leading scorer in Suns history. Here's more from Frank. It's just a matter of time. I mean, he's the best scorer this, this team's ever seen. Um... You know, it's just a matter of time before he's uh, he's the all-time leader. That's right. Uh, if he averages 20 points a game, we figured this out. He would he would pass Walter Davis next season. Uh, meanwhile, the Suns also beat the Kings again. Harrison Barnes to inbound on the far side. He gets the ball, holds, and then finds Fox. He'll shoot a three and miss it in and out. Rebound Durant, and that'll do it. Suns win. 130-125 the final score tonight at Footprint Center. Suns even the season series with the Kings at two games apiece. Nice win. Yeah, that was a very nice win right there and you know what it was even nicer than the next day wasn't it <laughs> wednesday wednesday i don't know why i did the wednesday voice while i was hitting it uh the niners fired defensive coordinator steve wilkes just a couple days after they were in the super bowl and on this for a few nights and i'm um, trying to make come up with a few tough decisions but this morning i um relieved steve wilkes of his duties um gonna end up making a change here at defensive coordinator and um really tough decision because really um says nothing about steve as a man or as a football coach 
Yeah. Um, they were going in a different direction. Mm. And Steve was going in a different direction than so what they opposite were going direction. And yeah. Okay. Relieved, uh, by the way. He was fired. That's yeah. Relieved is always to. such a weird, like, we're not going to make you coach in the playoffs yeah, anymore. Like, oh, okay, good. Now I can not do See, the what Spartans I do. were huge on this stuff, basically. Yeah. They believe you had to be accurate in how you spoke. And toughness started with terminology. Uh, the Phoenix Suns announced that um, they're done being the only team that doesn't have a G League team. Matt Ishbia didn't waste much time. Envelope, please. <laughs> and you can make the checkout to Calvisi Consulting the cash prize. The Phoenix Planets. The planets. The planets orbit around the sun. Guessing that won't gain a lot of traction. Yeah. I hope they put it up to a vote and we can see the planets get one vote. You know, it's amazing. Paul's head could be one of those planets. (laughs) All right. Uh, To the Suns game that night, uh, Isaiah Stewart arrested for assaulting Phoenix center Drew Eubanks hours before the Suns tipped off against the Pistons. I'm told Drew Eubanks was punched in the mouth area. And from what I'm told, the footage will show Drew Eubanks barely flinched. Uh, He stood there stone cold, took the punch. Meanwhile, Devin Booker got ejected just a few minutes into the first quarter. Here's Frank Vogel. Yeah, they just said he, you know, they asked him to stop whatever his complaint was, and he didn't stop, so they teed him up. And then he said something else to the other official, and he ran him out. Just freaking ridiculous. He had seven points in five minutes. He would have been the leading scorer that night. Can I just, what exactly did he say? Can I just get the words on that? Can I please? Because words matter. If we like, if we have Booker on the show again at some point, feel yeah, free to book, ask him. Yeah, book, just yeah. tell us. He'd be like, keep yeah. it clean, book. Uh-huh. <laughs> then he can't tell you. I think. Yeah, well, I'm guessing he probably can't tell book you. Would never do. He's way too classy. Uh, meanwhile, the Suns beat. The, it really actually didn't look like he was even that angry. It, I, I, well, <laughs> you know, once again, I think that's book. Yeah, smoldering. He doesn't have to get angry. Um, Suns beat the Pistons in that game, one sixteen to one hundred. Suns with five seconds left. Lee just dribbling it out. And that'll do it. Suns win. 116 to 100 the final. They beat the Pistons for the seventh straight time in the series and are 11 games over 500 for the first time this season at 33 and 22. They improved to 18 and 11 here on their home floor. Best record of the of the year heading into the All-Star break. That's not yeah. bad. Meanwhile, the Coyotes lost their seventh straight game to the Wild. We can just mumble through that. ASU hoops beat Oregon State. Thursday. Today, Luis Gonzalez joined the show and said this about Corbin Carroll. It just kind of, it goes to show you how valuable he is to this team. Um, this guy will ultimately be the best player to ever put on a Diamondbacks uniform. And the way he carries himself on the field, off the field, Everything is just so valuable to our organization. He's proved that. See body, soul, and spirit. That's what it takes. For him to say what he just said about a guy who's played one real year. Yeah. One year in the league. For him to say that about Corbin Carroll. Gonzo, of all people. One of the best D-backs of all time. One of the best of all time. For him to say that, he already knows what this kid is made of. Body, soul, and spirit. Uh, the WM Phoenix Open is started offering refund submissions for being closed down early on Saturday. Rob Manfred said he'll retire as MLB commissioner in five years. 
Friday. Friday, the Pac-12 Board of Directors, well, there's still a Board of Directors for the Pac-12, announced that the uh, conference and George Klyovkov have mutually agreed to part ways, but it's not going to be a conference. Uh, Effective February 29th of 2024, more details about new leadership of the Pac-12 will be announced next week. See ya! I mean, I could lead the Pac-12. There isn't a Pac-12 anymore. I'm out. And uh, Wolf had his uh, moment with D-backs pitcher Tommy Henry. And I'm just kind of throwing a baseball with my hips, which feels really good, very refreshing. Um, and that's a huge you know, testament to the ideas and the minds of, of the pitching staff here because they've been helping me a lot with that. So apparently, Tommy, hips don't lie. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll find out. I hope they don't lie. <laughs> that's how you ended your week. That was funny. It was. It was. Peace and strength. Thanks to Aaron Maloney behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gibbo next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. As far as that, that pretty much wraps things up here. And uh, for one last time, this is Al McCoy saying thanks for being there. Thanks for being with us tonight. And from the Footprint Center here in downtown Phoenix, we'll just say so long for now.